What's up, everybody? How you doing? Welcome back. Welcome back to another episode of the Politics and Punk Rock Podcast. I am Andrew for America, and today I want to talk about a podcast that I just listened to by um, self-proclaimed libertarian of the Rothbardian philosophy, big uh, fan of Murray Rothbard, uh, Dave Smith. Uh, he has a he's a stand-up comedian, and uh, he has a podcast called Part of the Problem, and uh, he just recently did. Uh, did a podcast uh, entitled CPAC and how the Republicans lost everything. <laughs> and uh, he talks about this this uh, this idea of, you know, he was hoping to see what the new quote-unquote resistance is, uh, you know, post-Trump. In the post-Trump uh, Republican Party, you know, you have your Trump devotees, I'm sure, and then you have... Um, you know, maybe the more, I don't want to say centrist, but I guess centrist or, um, you know, you have your rhinos for sure that are, might as well be Democrats, like I've talked about before. Uh, and then you, you know, you have like the centrist left and then you have the far progressive left and then, um, the far right, I guess would be, you know, Trump devotees, I guess I talked about in the last episode that, uh, you know, they're going to start equating Trump ideology with conspiracy theorists. And that's not necessarily true. That's not necessarily true, people. There are a lot of people, 75 plus million people voted for Trump. But there, are, I'm sure there are Republicans out there that did not vote for him. Um, you know, I could be wrong about that. I don't know. I'm sure there's got to be some, though. <laughs> and, you know, same thing with the Democrats. Like, Democrats are organized. They're in lockstep with uh, their narratives that they want to put out there. So, you know, what's the counterbalance to that is what Dave Smith is asking in this podcast because he said he just went to CPAC and he was, you know, you know, Rand Paul got beat out in votes by Nikki Haley and he, he just, he's disgusted by it. <laughs> and I kind of am too. I mean, whatever happened, I mean, you know, Rand Paul, Rand Paul, when he hitched his wagon to President Trump, uh, you know, Dave Smith, he tells you like, that's probably the biggest mistake of his political career. He destroyed his credibility, and it sucks, because I really liked Rand Paul for a long time, but man, you know, people change, times change, you know? So Rand Paul got beat out by Nikki Haley, so, you know, Dave Smith's whole idea in this podcast is, you know, where are where is the new resistance to the far left? You know, who's going to step up and fill these spots and, and be the future of the Republican Party? And... It's very interesting to hear him talk about how disappointed he is, you know, and, you know, he talks about how, you know, he's not a Republican, like he's a libertarian. He, he, he feels like he's in a position to criticize both parties because he doesn't identify with either of them. And that's why I like Dave Smith so much is because I, I find myself agreeing with him quite a bit. Um, so here, I'm going to play a, my first clip by Dave, uh, where he talks about, um, this idea of what the resistance is. Anyway, but what, one of the other major reasons, in fact, the major reason why I was so interested in in watching it this year is um, because the the conservatives now, the the right wingers there, are the resistance. This is something I've been talking about since Donald Trump lost the presidency. They are the resistance now, and um, in some ways that's unfortunate. In in some ways it's better 
than uh, them having their guy in the White House. So, um, you know, the unfortunately, you know, for for libertarians like like myself, uh, it's it, sometimes you feel like, you know, the best thing about the right wingers is just that they're not left wingers. And that's pretty much the uh, the highest compliment I could pay them. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much it, you know, and and, uh, <laughs> you know, that it's pretty much it. That's exactly how, what the opinion that a lot of libertarians have of Republicans is that the highest compliment that uh, they can pay them is that they're not Democrats. <laughs> I mean, you know, it, it's it's not looking good for the Republican Party, you know, and then Dave goes on to talk about how um, you know, the left now has the culture. They've had the culture ever since, um, you know, um, ever since, uh, you know, Dave talks about later how George W. Bush destroyed the party and people blame it on Trump. But no, it happened after the war and people lost confidence in uh, the Republicans. They lost conf- confidence in, um, you know, George W. Bush and Dick Cheney's decision making. And ever since then, they've had the culture, you know, they got, they, that's how Obama got elected, um, you know, and then we had, they had, they just started uh, making their move on the culture and, and, and creating this culture war and this identity politics and all the stuff you've been seeing over the course of the past few years. And it's working. They are very, very, very successful. And I have to give the Democrats credit. Like they're getting to the point of really getting their way. Like their efforts are, are have been successful and you can see it. You can see it everywhere. So, you know, Dave's talking about CPAC and how you know disappointing and almost embarrassing uh, tone he has in his voice about it. And he's right. It's like, you know, maybe it's time that we, so you know, maybe libertarians should invade the Republican Party. Like I've talked about before, let's get back to basics. Let's get rid of all these you know, fake fiscal conservatives, these people that have no concept or desire to attack the ridiculous out-of-control government spending problem that is the cause of a lot of this, a lot of our problems in this country. You know, and... I mean, who else is going to do it? (laughs) Are there any Republicans out there that are still principled, pragmatic, cooperative, will reach across the aisle and make good decisions and for their constituency rather than for just themselves. I don't know. Is that still a thing? Do politicians care about anybody other than themselves? I have a hard time believing that they do. <laughs> I have a real hard time. And you know why I feel that way is cuz I'm in my 40s and I've seen it my entire life. The best predictor of future behavior is past behavior and past behavior tells me that this is standard operating procedure people. It's been this way for at least a hundred years, at the very least. Definitely more, but at the very least, a hundred years. This is how it is. Politicians are put there to make you think you have freedom of choice. You don't. You have no choice. You have no choice. The big club will get their way, one way or the other. And they'll sell it to you in their media, what they did. This is what we're going to do. This is why. Later, you guys are going to find out that it's bullshit, but we don't care because right now this is what we're doing. We're at war with something and we uh, have an objective. We're accomplishing goals. Your opinion is irrelevant. And when you guys start putting together uh, the story piece by piece in the future, after all the fallout and after all the horrors, then, you know, 
then you know you guys start writing books and start doing podcasts about how evil the government was back then and how nobody paid attention to it because the media led them astray. Threw them off the scent. Dave talks about that later in this podcast, how you know he kind of unwittingly explains divide and conquer to you people again. And you'll, I'll, let's uh, let's keep going. I'm gonna play the next Dave clip, and um, you guys are gonna see very soon what he means and what I'm trying to tell you. And one of the things that's in, the reason why the conservatives they are truly the resistance now, and so again we're kind of stuck with them to some degree as the resistance. I'd I'd really rather libertarians be the resistance, but again I can comment on reality, and that ain't the reality. Yep, there it is. You know, he pretty much just got done saying right there what I was telling you, and that that's not the reality, people. The libertarians, uh, the chances of the libertarian party. Uh, having any chance of even getting access to the two-party dichotomy. I mean, the libertarians are shut out of everything. They've been shut out of everything. I mean, just look at every debate. You know, they tried to get Joe Jorgensen in there last year. That was, a, that was a flop. That was a joke. And it's sad. It's sad. But, you know, there's a lot of people that really want that. They want a third-party option. And, you know... The GOP is is a shell of its former self. It's failing, you know. And you know, like Dave said, here I'm gonna, I'm gonna let's get to the next clip where um, Dave's going to talk about where the Democrats have you know they made their move on the culture, like I was talking about before. Um, after George W. Bush pretty much ruined the credibility of the Republican Party after the Iraq War. So here we go. I'm going to bring this one up and take a listen to this. Um, and you can't, it, it's like, it's hard to exactly measure how much of an effect this had, but it had a huge, huge effect that this is, you know, people say, they'll be like, Donald Trump destroyed the Republican party. No, Donald Trump didn't destroy the Republican party. George W. Bush destroyed the Republican party. He, he lost everything for the conservatives. As soon as he lost, he lost so big that the left made their move. The Republicans were destroyed, completely discredited. This is what got Barack Hussein Obama elected. And th then they made their move on the culture. Like they, uh, again, I'm not saying they had positions in place, but this is when they made their move and the right was helpless uh, to resist. So there's Dave telling you about, you know, how they were, the Republicans were helpless to resist. They, you know, George W. Bush destroyed their credibility so badly and you know, Dave goes on to say, he talks about how Trump, Trump wasn't dealing with, um, with, you know, I mean, he was, he was also helpless because, you know, he was the guy that was supposed to, you know, a lot of people had faith in him and he was supposed to restore that credibility of the Republican party. And I don't know, I, I, I you know, I don't know if he did. I don't know if you can say that he did. Like we, the Republicans didn't earn any of the culture back. In fact, I think, you know, Dave says later on that, you know, they, he, you know, he may have actually pushed the culture farther to the left and away from the, the Republican Party. And the media helped the media. You know, the culture war was already in full swing by the time Trump, Trump took the presidency. So, you know, he was powerless. They had him and they attacked him every single day in the media. I mean, look at the coverage now. Now that Biden's president, I mean, when's the last time, when's the last time you saw a journalist screaming at uh, Jen Psaki or screaming at Biden about... Uh, Asking, you know, put uh, pushing him on his former racist t uh, comments and some of the gaffes that this guy has had. 
Where, where's the coverage? Where's the ripping him apart publicly, terrorizing this guy in front of people to discredit him and to paint him as this evil human being? They did it to Trump every year. And I'm not, I, you guys, I've told you before, I'm not a fr- fan of Trump. I'm no more a fan of Biden than I am of Trump. I don't care. You know my opinion on the two-party, you know, dichotomy, whatever. But you can't lie to yourself and you can't, Lie and expect other people to believe you when, if you say that the media didn't treat Donald Trump any differently than they treated Obama, let's just say, or Biden now. If you don't think the media had treated those presidents differently, then you were blind, walking through life with blinders on, having tunnel vision, like I've said it before. Here's another clip by Dave Smith. And particularly that the progressives who are dominating the culture right now are like insane. I think this whole shit is insane. I think like I think banning Mr. Potato Head because Mr. is offensive is like that shit insane. I do not know how uh, how any normal person doesn't look at that and just go, oh, what like what what the fuck are we talking about here? Uh, I don't care what you're forced to pretend to believe uh, when you're in public. Like that is really really insane. And that is the dominant culture right now. And that's, it's a real threat. I think this is like a real threat um, to like normal family life, which is really what I care about. And um, I, I think that the cancel culture shit is a big threat to just the stability of our, our country. I mean, the idea that you're like not even allowed to think, you're not even allowed to question the orthodoxies without having all of these kind of non-governmental, non technically coercive forces but still kind of like you know you'll just lose your job for saying all lives matter well then you know like if people can't even think or dissent or speak that's a major threat to the idea of having any type of open flourishing prosperous society and that's my biggest problem with the progressive movement right there is the the shutting down critical analysis the shutting down thought the desire to erase history and to run from it because, ooh, it's just mean. It was so mean. Oh, people were so mean to each other back then. People. China is going to invade at some, at some point in the future be, just simply because they know that our, our citizens are the most immature, coddled, spoiled, no concept of reality, ignorant, stupid, fragile, weak. I mean, we are pathetic. The average American these days, especially the average American male, in my in my humble opinion, is, is a joke. It's a fucking joke, people. What happened to men? What happened to reason? What happened to the desire to be bold and to have courage? and to face fears, and to overcome obstacles, and to reach for the stars, like Will McAvoy from the newsroom said. Remember that in the Devil in the Newsroom episode? What has happened to guys? Guys, dudes, men, homies, bros out there. What happened, man? What happened? (laughs) Future's not looking bright, man. I'm telling you what... The progressives, like, I get it. You got, I, I understand. You guys want, you want everyone to just get along and you want the world to just be hoo-ha <laughs> in harmony. We're going to sing. We don't have to work. 
AI and technology is going to solve all of our problems for us and take all of our jobs, and we're just going to have all this time to be, you know, artists. We're going to paint, and we're going to make music, and we're all going to live happily ever after, and uh, world uh, socialist utopia. Yippee! If you really think that's what's going to happen, people, you got to wake up. you got to learn things. You can't even have a leg to stand on in a debate or in, in a philosophical conversation if you don't even know the concepts. And you Republicans out there, half of you don't know the concepts anymore either. You're all a bunch of pathetic hypocrites. And I'm not really, you know, like I said, I, I'm not, I don't like to self-identify as a libertarian anymore. But boy, the reason why I do is because if, it's a joke watching you two try to solve problems. It's a joke watching you try to pull the wool over the eyes of the American people. I've seen it for so long now and nothing's ever changed. Doesn't matter what party's in office. And it, it ain't ever gonna change. It ain't ever gonna change. Here's another clip by Dave Smith. These guys have to to say now that they're in this position where they've they've just been beaten so bad and lost everything, and they are now in the position of being the true resistance. The true counterculture is now the you know conservatives and the traditionalists and the right wingers and all that. So they um and and their guy is Donald Trump. And this is the thing. It's like what I was saying when they go, oh, Trump destroyed the Republican Party. It's like, no, George W. Bush destroyed the Republican Party. He shattered them. He blew all of their credibility. And to the point where not only did they lose their power in government, but they lost the entire culture. And then Trump uh, wins because they're just so desperate for a fighter. And he seems to be fighting back against them. They'll even, you know, uh, uh, look the other way at all of the things that would make a conservative really not like Donald Trump. Like the fact that he's fucking, you know, uh, been divorced multiple times and, you know, had fucks porn stars while his wife is pregnant. And the fact that he's clearly never read a page of the Bible um, or any other book for that matter. Um, and, and all of these other things, it's like, yeah, but he's fighting, he's fighting against, you know, these forces who are, are just dominating us in the culture. So at least there's that, at least he's pissing off everybody else and he's claiming he'll fight for us. So, so there's that. Um, yeah, so <laughs> there Dave kind of skewers Trump a little bit, tells you how he, what he thinks about him. And, you know, it is kind of, it is kind of interesting, uh, it is kind of interesting, the you know, to me, the very religious uh, right looking at a guy and hitching their wagon to a guy like Donald Trump, and just like Dave just said, like the guys, the guys fucking porn stars, you know, while his wife's pregnant, <laughs> like the guys that got a history of screwing people over, uh, you know, the Central Park Five. If you guys don't know about that, like you know, I did a little research on Trump after he became president, and boy, like. There were there there were a few racist tendencies in his past. Uh, there was a few womanizing. I mean, the guy. Come on, man. People like both you, both of you, all of you, both Democrats and Republicans. You're just bunch. You're just such a bunch of hypocrites. It's just gross. <laughs> it's just disgusting. You both are just talk a big lofty game. The rhetoric is always right there. The speech writers, you know, the creators of talking points, you know, and all you Americans. You Republicans, you Democrats, you just hit your wagon to it. Oh, God, it sounds so great. This is what it's supposed to be. Oh, gosh, I live in such a great country. Oh, everything's so wonderful. <clears throat> Man, it's a joke, people. It's a joke. So here, um, you know, and I kind of wanted to talk about it real quick, like, 
you know, when George W. Bush took that presidency presidency back too, you know, that was the big club. He's a big club member. You know, the Bush family is very deep, deep in the New World Order game. So is Bill Clinton. So is H.W. Bush. So is Obama. You know, Trump really was an anomaly from that. And, you know, I was actually surprised they didn't JFK him, <laughs> to be honest with you. I mean, you know, he kind of tried to do what JFK did uh, and uh, alarm the the world about the globalists and about the secret societies and all that kind of stuff. But he did it in a way where it makes me think that, you know, with the whole QAnon thing, like, you know, maybe he is on their side, man. You know, he, he's friends with Jeffrey Epstein. I mean, he's been on the planes, in pictures with the guy. You know, Jill and Maxwell, too. I mean, people. <laughs> you really think Trump isn't part of the big club <laughs> after all that? I think Trump's been in the big club for a while. I think the big club probably put him there. They probably made him president, people. Oh, man. Hillary Clinton, all of her pissed off and this was probably up by design, too. She probably just conceded because they wanted they wanted him. They needed a counterbalance, but someone that was still in their pocket. I'm telling you, people, that might be a harebrained conspiracy theory right there, but... I don't know. I don't see. I don't have the faith in Trump a lot of you guys had. I see him for who he is. I get it. I get it. He, he may have been our last best hope, and if that was our last best hope, boy, for this country and for anyone to to you know revisit the principles, the founding principles that created this country, then you know maybe it is over, people. Hey, let's just throw in the towel. Hey, let's just let the big club have have it. Give it to him. Here you go. Here's our sovereignty. Here we go. Let's just create the new world order right now. We'll give total power of the world to the United Nations. And you guys can do it. You guys can do whatever you want. You can put microchips in our arms. You can, you know, reduce the population to nine-tenths of what it is currently. You can take a buy up all the farmland and make everything synthetic. And then figure out pharmaceuticals that'll, you know, dumb us down and take us to brave new world land where we all take our somas every day and we just plug into the matrix and we play our virtual reality and you know the future is some big crazy black mirror episode is that is that what is that it is that what we're doing progressives is that what we're doing democrats what are we doing what are we doing even republicans what are we doing is this the future we're going to let the Elon Musks and the Jeff Bezoses and the Warren Buffetts and, you know, all these, I mean, they are, they're very intelligent guys. They're very good at what they do. I'm not taking it away from them. They live the American dream and then some, but you know how it is when you get in bed with big government, you know, <coughs> totalitarian dictatorship is not too far away. Tyranny is not too far away. All right, I'm going to move on. Here's uh, Dave Smith talking about, um, the housing crisis and how, you know, another reason why Bush lost the credibility of the Republican Party for the Republican Party. This is so much of this is how we got to this place. And it's not all directly a result of that. There's these other kind of indirect factors that ended up leading to the, the state that we're in today. But this was a really big part of it. And this was kind of the first thing that set into motion all of these other, you know, events. So, you know, basically what happened was, um, you know, they spent all of their capital on the, the, the wars and the response to 9-11. And of course, we had to fight these wars on the credit card. And of course, to finance 
uh, the, you know, the, the wars on the credit card. We needed to bring interest rates way down. And good thing we got the Federal Reserve. They'll bring interest rates down. They'll print up a ton of money. No problem. You know, so so then you get the fucking low interest rates. Well, now when interest rates are so low, what effect does that end up happen, having? Okay. So now interest rates are crazy low. Well, what, you know, what is something that people borrow money to buy? Well, houses, that's a pretty big one, right? And not too many people out there buy their houses in cash. The vast majority of people, they borrow money to buy houses. They take out mortgages. And what, when you have, you know, when you have artificially low interest rates, you know, you can, you can say that there's free market activities that are happening as a result of that, but it's obviously, it's completely perverted the market. So if the Federal Reserve, if the government department of banking and money uh, artificially lowers interest rates, well, then you know that a whole lot of people are going to borrow money who wouldn't have borrowed money at higher interest rates. Again, this is just an a priori, logical, irrefutable fact that people who, it, you know, businesses and, and likewise, just people buying homes, when it maybe wouldn't make sense for them to borrow at 9% interest, it does make sense for them to borrow at 4% interest. And one of the dynamics you had in the early 2000s was that you had housing prices going up and up and up interest rates very, very low. I think the, the Fed fund rate was down to like 1.5% at one point. And the, the, your monthly bills would end up being lower than renting, right? So you'd almost be stupid not to try to buy a house um, because your, your monthly bills are going to be lower and you're gaining the value that, of the house, which is going up and up and up. Um, so no question, a ton more people bought houses than would have if we hadn't lowered these interest rates in large part to finance putting these wars on the credit card. Okay, so this was the right's last big stand. George H.W. Bush's idiot son, who allowed, of course, Dick Cheney and the neocons to run roughshod over him. Um, so then we have the housing crash. We have the housing crash. And this uh, just devastates American families all, all throughout this country, just devastates them, which by the way, you know, if you're a, a right winger and you really care about families, right, you want to have a culture that is promoting families, then um, devastating families is, is pretty bad. Yeah. So, you know, that's a little bit about uh, Dave's take on how, you know, the, they did, they devastated many, many families. I mean, uh, I'm sure a lot of you know people, or maybe some of you are, you know, yourselves actually did lose your your houses during the housing crisis, taking on these big negam, negative amortization loans, these loans that were designed for people that were flipping homes. You think you're getting a 30 year, you know, fixed rate or whatever? <laughs> they just they screwed so many people over, you know, and. You know, it, that, you know what that makes me think about, too? It makes me think about, that's how the big club does it. And that's what fiat currency allows. You know, they want you borrowing money. They want you indebted to them. They, they want you, you know, <laughs> they want that interest. They want to fix the markets. And then 
you know, you just in the second you start having faith in your equity and the upward mobility of your of your family and and the saving and everything that you've planned for your retirement, then they just pff, they can lower the interest rates again. They can raise the interest rates again. They can change the game. Something, you know, it's too much power. And like like I talked about in the Tragedy and Hope episode, you know, they, they that's what they want. They want, um, you know, they want people to <laughs> be at their, in, you know, at their feet begging. I don't know. I just kind of went off on a tangent like that. But like, you know, this, it's like the same, it's like the... <sighs> You know, those who fail to learn from history are condemned to repeat it. You know, it's like people, this stuff keeps happening. It keeps happening over and over and over again. And the media just pff, makes it so that you don't know. <laughs> they make it so that you don't know. And it's working. It's working. And here, I'm going to play one more clip by Dave where he talks about you know, he kind of goes into, uh, talk. he talks about divide and conquer at the end of this. He talks about, th you know, how everything I just tried to explain really poorly uh, to you. Uh, because I can't do as good of a job as Dave Smith can do, I'm just going to let him speak for me. Uh, this is the last clip from Dave in this podcast. Uh, I think it's 704, part of the problem, 704, CPAC, and how the Republicans lost everything. Uh, here we go, Dave Smith. So, so then you have this, and then on uh, on top of uh, excuse me, on on top of the you know the the economic devastation that comes from two thousand eight, then you know what what do you have? What do you have as a result of this? Well, you have a huge gap widening between regular people and the super rich, and this is what happens every time you have one of these big crashes, right? So you have one of the big crashes, the the market goes way down, and then what happens as a result of that? Okay, well, people who are middle class and working class, they get wiped out, they lose everything. And then for fucking billionaires and rich people, it's everything's on sale, right? So they come in and buy everything up. And then as the value goes back up, they make out wonderfully. This widens the gap. Um, you know, the, the economic inequality gets tremendously widened by all of this. And then what's the left-wing idiot response to all of this? Well, what do we need? Communism, right? Or socialism, whatever you want to call it. Um, so then that's their response, right? The rise of the populist left, the rise of the Bernie Sanders. Um, then, of course, the, the Bush administration, their response is you have to bail out the banks. Um, Obama continues to bail out the banks. And now this, these, uh, this financial situation leads to the rise of a much harder economic left. And then, as I've been kind of demonstrating, you know, for for a while now, one of my major themes, and then you have this woke shit takeover, which was basically a corporate plot to throw the economic populist left off of the scent of all of this shit. And that's why after Occupy Wall Street, when they're screaming, we are the 99%, you know, it's like that meme, introduce them to identity politics. And that's really what happens. And, and that's why it's pushed by all the different agencies of the cathedral, whether it's, um, you know, academia, the corporate press, the big banks, uh, the, the politicians, they all push the fuck out of this woke shit to buy off the fucking left uh, to make sure that they're not focused on what uh, really matters, which is power and corruption and all of these things. And instead, they're focused on 
Mr. Potato Head. Yeah, so, you know, I mean, that's pretty much the history. That's pretty much the history right there. That's what happens. You know, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what party's in, in office. It doesn't matter if it's the Republicans or the Democrats. The Fed still controls the money. The big banks. The big club. It's their money. Right on, on your, uh, uh, look at your money. It says Novus Ordo Seclorum. New world order, new order of the world, or new order of the ages. I forget how it uh, translates literally from Latin, but... <laughs> I'm not making this stuff up, people. <laughs> I'm not making it up. This game's been working for years and years and years and years and years. And I don't know if it was always this way. It probably wasn't. At the beginning and the founding of the country, I'm sure it was a little bit more pure. There was definitely a lot more principle and a lot more cooperation. Even despite the fact that people were owning slaves and were killing people in the streets still. You know? You gotta put this you gotta put the status quo of the time into the historical context. I've said it a million times. You can't understand. And you can't judge scale and proportion if you don't take a story and put it into context. You know, you got to know what the zeitgeist was. You know, you got to know what the spirit of the times were when you talk about this stuff. You know, and that's where we are. Like, you know, Dave starts telling you about how that, that that's that's part of divide and conquer too. Is how they just let, they keep you fighting with each other, and you start pointing the finger at the other party. Oh, it's the Democrats. Oh, it's the Republicans. But really, they're just going to the bank with your money. Keep you fighting with each other. That's divide and conquer. Here, here's another clip by Dave uh, about, I think this is his summation of his entire podcast here. So take a listen to this. And he talks about divide and conquer even more right here. Talked about before, like the Federal Reserve printing up all this money and all of this shit and all of these government programs. Well, why is it that like some 25 year old today isn't going to get married and start a family? Well, I mean, like what are the major obstacles right in their way? Well, why the fuck are they ever going to do that? How are they ever going to pull that off? How are you, how are they ever going to buy a house or fucking, you know, uh, afford healthcare or pay off their college debt or any of these things? Uh, th- th- these things that 25 year olds are like living at home with their mom and working at Starbucks in a hundred thousand dollars college debt. Now, why is it? Why is it that this is the situation? It's all because of government intervention in the market, all of it, every inch of it. As the the housing prices are so phenomenally high because government intervened and bid up the prices of housing. The college prices are so incredibly high. That's why they have this debt to begin with, because government got in the business of guaranteeing and then giving out the loans and and pushing the idea that every, you know, fucking, you know, every kid with a fucking hundred IQ has to go to four years of college and get drunk with his buddies and come out with a hundred thousand dollars worth of debt, just this insane system. And it's all pushed by the government intervention. And why is it that, you know, like, um, um, mutual aid societies and churches and all these local community organizations have been completely undermined? Well, it's because we have a welfare state now and that's where people go. They don't have to go to their local community. They don't have to do any of that shit. And in some cases, uh, for for decades, we'll even pay women if they uh, for every baby they have without a father around, right? So this, the government has destroyed all of these like bonds that have kept the community together. They've destroyed the ability of young men to provide 
for their families. And then as the government gets bigger and bigger and the corruption gets bigger and bigger, they push this fucking woke shit on everybody to throw them off of the scent. And that's done, you know, a whole lot on top to destroy uh, the culture and all of these things. But so you're never even going to get, you know, if you're not going to take that on or, you know, or you just can't be bothered to learn about any of that shit, then you're never really going to uh, uh, improve the culture at all. You're just never, you're, you're out there fighting, you know, you're just out there saying, no, we shouldn't ban Mr. Potato Head when they're saying, yes, we should. And that's not how you fight this. You got to get at the underlying root cause of all of these problems. And so this is why I'm for pushing the libertarian party, because what we need is, is something else here, some other force that's going to be an educational vehicle to kind of, you know, insert these issues. There's still too much education that needs to go on to push both sides, you know, as much as we can, um, both sides to just be better, to be better on these issues. And like I said before, with fucking Nixon expanding the war, George W. Bush getting us into these stupid wars, conservatives are going to have to fucking pick in the same way, in many ways, true, decent leftist progressives are going to have to pick, you know, like, what do you want? Do you want, you know, uh, JP Morgan Chase to send their white execs to diversity training? Or do you actually want them to not rape the American people? You know, you're going to have to fucking pick whether you're on their side or you're against them. And in the same sense, conservatives have some choices that they have to make. And they, um, you know, it's like, do, do you want these fucking wars? Um, or do you, you know, like even like we, we've said for years, right? But you look at the migrant crisis flooding into Europe. And it's like, well, what do you want? Do you want to destabilize Iraq, Syria, Libya, you know, and, and all these countries? Or do you want, you know, to not have this migrant crisis? Can't have both. Got to pick one. Got to pick one. Which was more important to you? Overthrowing Gaddafi or making sure that Europe wasn't flooded with all these refugees? Because you're not going to have both because that's the reason why you have that. So that's, you know, you got to live with that. And what conservatives really need to start grappling with is fucking monetary policy. And if, if they don't grapple with that, then they're, they're not even in the fight. You're, you're not even engaging in the fight. If, if you want to not have the left turn into a bunch of fucking commies, then you have to have something, a gold standard of so, some type of force limiting the, the fiat currency, um, which I guess wouldn't be fiat currency if it was limited on a gold standard. Um, so, you know, if, if you're not going to have that, you're not going to have a society where people can save and be productive and build families and, and do what I think we all want to see. Just have a, a moral, stable society with, with, uh, with, with fiat currency. You're not going to get any of that shit. You're going to constantly get, um, you know, inflate, uh, inflated prices and bubbles and these artificial booms, and then these very real busts, and the left is just going to go more and more socialist, and then they're going to, you know, be conned into pushing all their crazy uh, cultural views to throw them off the scent, which, by the way, is the same thing that happened to the right back in the day. It's the same thing that happened to the right in the post-war period. You know, the right wing, the old right used to be concerned with like fucking, you know, sound money and limited government and non-intervention. And then when they wanted to fucking fight the Cold War and become the world empire, what did they fucking convince the right to be about? And like, no, we don't care about any of that shit. What we care about is the homos and stuff like that, you know, and throw them off the scent. This is how the culture war stuff always gets played to throw people off the scent of what matters to the powerful, which is power.
That's what they care about. That's what the powerful care about. They don't care about any other shit with the fucking culture. They care about their power. Now, I know that seems counterintuitive because you see these powerful people and you're like, all they talk about is the culture. But understand, that's to distract you from having any conversation about their power. So that's that's where that all comes from. And um, this is is if conservatives are not, they just don't seem to really be grappling with any of that shit. You know, I couldn't have said it better myself. I couldn't have said it better myself. Like, what are, what are we doing, people? You guys are going to have to pick. Sooner or later, you're going to have to pick. Because your arguments are falling apart. That's why I can't watch the news with any level of seriousness. It's, it's, it's political theater. It's, com- it's comedy. It's comedic theater. Watching. These rich assholes try to sell their bullshit to you people. And you people just take it. You just take it. You allow it. Because you're too big a chicken shit to stand up for what you believe in. If you even have any, even if you do, what do you believe in? You know, Method Man, I think, once said, you know, if you don't stand for nothing, you'll fall for anything. If you don't stand for nothing, you will fall for anything. And you do. You do. You fall for everything. The big club throws it throws in your way. Everything they tell you, you believe. Ignorant Americans. That's that's the stigma. That's uh, how Americans are viewed around the world. Ask anybody. Ask anybody from a different country. Hey, what 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 do people in your country think about Americans? Oh, you're a bunch of stupid, ignorant idiots who all like killing each other. That's pretty much what they say about us. You proud of that? You still think America is the greatest country in the world, people? Do you still really believe that the big club isn't trying to get the final pieces of the puzzle put in place? They got Libya. They're going to get Syria. They're going to get Iran, maybe. I don't know. That's going to be tough. I think there was like, what, six or seven uh, countries in the world that didn't have a Rothschild uh, affiliated big banking cartel controlled central bank. And uh, slowly but surely, they're, they're, they're going to get it. They're going to get it all from you, like George Carlin says, because they own this fucking place. It's a big club and you ain't in it. <laughs> People, you and I are not in the big club. I'm going to take a break, and I'll be right back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, welcome back. So, um, yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know what the Republican Party's going to do moving forward, but uh, they're in need for some new leadership. And uh, I hope the people that choose to fill those roles, you know, they don't need to be libertarian, but they uh, definitely need to have a good idea and a belief in the founding principles, in the Constitution, 
and we need to enforce it. Adhere to and enforce the law. What is and what is not constitutional. Isn't that the point? Isn't that the point? Why is the Constitution so important? Because our entire legal system is based upon it, first of all. And the more we let them change it, people, slowly but surely, slow usurpations, over time, a little socialism, a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit universal this, another universal that, and before you know it, they got us. They got us. Do you prefer dangerous freedom or do you prefer peaceful slavery? I feel like over 75% of the citizens in this country right now prefer peaceful slavery. It's unbelievable. Communist subversion. Like KGB guy told you guys. Like all everything. All, all Like Dave Smith just got done telling you uh, with this, uh, his explanations here about CPAC and about the Republican Party and about the state of where we are. You know, I mean, I'm at the point where I'm like, if this is really, if, if the majority of people, this is really what you want, you really want to just destroy the principles of America, you, you know, you're going to, you're going to find out, you're going to find out at some point that you were wrong and it's not going to be pretty. It's not going to be pretty. Um, so, you know, that here's my question to you Democrats. Like, is this, is this what, is this what it is? You know, where does this road end? Where does this road end? Total control of every aspect of your life by the big, 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 big Leviathan, Thomas Hobbes level government? You know, democracy's just not going to pan out. So we need a intellectual elite that makes all the big decisions and owns everything. They're just going to, they're just going to, you know, take your labor and throw scraps back at you for it and you're just going to be an, an indentured servant for the rest of your life that's the future people if this stuff keeps happening and if our tra trajectory keeps uh, trending in the direction that it's been going you mark, mark my words might not happen in my lifetime I've said it a million times but you mark my words we'll let history decide if I'm right or if I'm wrong Hope you like this episode. Uh, send me an episode. Uh, send me an send me an episode. Yeah, uh, no. Send me an email at Andrew for America nineteen eighty four at gmail dot com. Um, uh, private group on Facebook. Andrew for America comedy and commentary. Uh, send a request to be invited into the group. Andrew for America. Uh, post my sweetest memes on Instagram. Uh, Andrew for America on Twitter. No one, no one's liking me on Twitter. I don't know. Gee, I wonder why. <laughs> Was it something I said? <laughs> Jack Dorsey. Hey man, if you hear me, if you're out there, let's just chat, man. I want to talk to you, man. Let's just talk. Just want. I just want to pick your brain. You know, tell tell me, tell me what your plans are. Can't wait to hear it. Uh, this has been the Politics and Punk Rock Podcast, episode 18. Thank you. Good night. Thanks for being here. I love you guys. We'll see you next time.